Welcome to the anointed and transformational teaching ministry of Pastor Wale Akinshiku, Senior Pastor of House of Praise Mississauga, Canada, a parish of the Redeemed Christian Church of God. It is our prayer that as you listen to this message, that you will be empowered to achieve your dreams and fulfill your destiny. God bless you as you listen. I'm speaking today, this whole month, our focus this whole month will be on new beginnings. Beginnings as in plural. New beginnings. Let's do that again. Our focus this month is going to be new beginnings. And there is somebody that is here that you're not only going to have one new beginning, but you're going to have multiple positive new beginnings in every area that you desire in the name of Jesus Christ. Our anchor scripture for this month, and I'm going to be teaching all throughout the Sundays this month on this topic, New Beginnings. Uh, taking different aspects of it as it applies to different areas of our lives. Because even some of us have been married for 30 years, you know, and so on and so forth. You need a fresh new beginning, not marry a new wife, but <laughs> let's put that quickly there. But let's quickly clarify things. You know, someone said, that's my word right now. I take it, and you run with it. That's not your word. All right? So not that you marry a new wife, but that you renew your commitment to your relationship. And that there's freshness. Okay, not a new wife, but freshness in the relationship. Can I hear an amen? If you're sitting beside your husband and he's not saying amen, you already know what your prayer point is. <laughs> Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 to 3. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Uh-huh. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And in verse 3 it says, then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Verse 31, please. Verse 31. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31. Then God saw. God saw everything. For many people that are under the authority of my voice and those watching online today, everything you want to change positively, this month it will change in Jesus' name. Then God saw everything that he had made and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Father, we thank you, we honor you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Let me start by saying to you, this is our year of possibilities. Our focus on possibilities is here. That's what God spoke into our spirit. Let me start by telling you that the possibility of a new beginning or new beginnings is our heritage in Christ. The possibility of new beginnings is our heritage in Christ. Somebody say, it's my heritage. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, and this is why I like the New Testament, if anyone, anyone means you, me, everybody that will believe, if anyone is in Christ, is a new creation, all things are passed away. Behold, all things, come on now, all things have become 
So this is telling you another point. We give our life to Christ. Listen carefully, please. The old sin nature that we inherited from our physical birth, from our biological parents, which they inherited from their biological parents, which they inherited from their biological parents until he got to Adam when Adam disobeyed God. That nature, all right, is destroyed. And the new nature of God, called the divine nature, comes into us. Are you still with me, somebody? And this now gives you and I the possibility. Christ now comes into us. Colossians 1.27. Christ comes into us. It's now the hope of glory. This hope is that whatever is happening around our lives, it gives us hope that there is a potential for it to change to bring glory for us. Thank you, Lord. Revelation chapter 21 verse 5. Revelation 21 verse 5. Christ says, he says, behold, I'm coming and I will make all things new. So that capacity to make all things new resides in the office of the Christ. Jesus the Christ has the capacity to make all things new. Jesus the Christ, he has the capacity to make all things new. Let me say it again. Jesus the Christ, he has the capacity to make all things new. And that Jesus lives within us once we give our lives to Christ. Now, please pay attention very carefully. What I'm speaking on is creating and experiencing a new beginning. That's the title. Creating and experiencing a new beginning. Creating and experiencing a new beginning. You see, but this new beginning, it doesn't just happen. It's not automatic. Please pay attention. It's not automatic. Okay? It's not automatic. The right spiritual forces must be applied for us to experience these new beginnings. Stay with me, please. The right, the appropriate spiritual forces must be applied for us to experience, for us to create and experience these new beginnings. A new beginning then must be created not assumed. This is part of the challenge of with us Christians. We assume a lot of things because we read them in scripture. And we're frustrated when we don't see them in practice. We assume a lot of things because we read them in scripture and we are frustrated when we don't see them in practice. We assume a lot of things because, well, we just look at it in scripture and say, oh, all right, okay, it says I will be the head and not the tail. All right, that's what it says, okay. And you assume that automatically you will be the head and not the tail without asking the Holy Spirit, what are the requisite spiritual forces I need to apply that will make this a reality in my own life. So that when other people read the Bible and doubt that it's possible for God to lift the poor from the dust and the needy from the hardship and place them among the priests of his people, when other people are doubting that, when they look at my life, my life will be an evident testimony that this God is still alive. Is still alive. That will be your portion. I'm speaking to three people at the back there. That will be your portion. That will be your portion. You will be a living epistle in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's quickly look at this Genesis chapter 1 verse 3, chapter 1 verse 1 to 3, and look at this process of creation and just learn a few things there. The first thing we have to learn from Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 to 3 is that God exists. Say that with me, please. God exists. Please say it again. God exists. Uh, you'll be shocked because you would think that this is very simple and everybody should know this. Of course, Pastor, I believe this. 
But the way many people live their life shows that they don't believe God exists. People don't believe God exists. The way people live their life, they don't, they mount it, some even go to church, but they don't believe. If you, because if they really believe in the existence of God, <laughs> they won't live their life the way they're living their life. God exists. And some people that you know believe this circumstances is fighting constantly to challenge you to say, Does God really exist? I'm here to let you know today, God exists. Tell three people around you because you believe it, God exists. Oh, yeah, God exists. Oh, my God is still alive. He exists. There is God. There's no, it's not mother nature. Nature is not the mother. Neither is nature a father. Nature itself is part of creation. There's no mother nature. There's no universe. The stars did not give birth to me. Yeah, it's not universe. It's not the universe. It's nothing called that. The universe is void, full of space, full of gases, which we call stars. That's not what it is. It is God, God, a person that created the heavens and the earth. God exists. So the second lesson you learn quickly in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to 3, is that there was chaos, there was formlessness, this is verse 2, and there was stagnation, though God exists. God exists, lesson number one, but God exists does not automatically mean that you don't have the chaos, you didn't have the formlessness, the voidness, the lack of purpose, and the stagnation. This is a challenge for people to square together because sometimes people look at their life and say, if God exists, if God is there, why is everything like this happening around the whole world? God exists. And I'll walk you through that in a few minutes. That's what we want to do this month. God exists, but there was still chaos, there's still formlessness, there's still void, there's still hope, there's still a sense of hopelessness because the Bible says darkness was on the surface of the deep. You might not come into this service today, you're tired. You've tried. You're feeling a sense of hopelessness. You're weary. But I'm here to let you know today that God has not left you alone. God has not left you alone. He's a God that sees. Matthew chapter 6 verse 8 says that he knows the things you have need of before you ask him. He exists. So, stay with me. The first lesson is, number one, God exists. Number two, there was chaos. Because God exists does not mean that there was no chaos, formlessness, stagnation, and so on and so forth. Number three, that lesson you learned from here quickly, is that God did not complain nor lament about the current situation. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, God did not complain. He did not lament. You never saw God commenting and saying, oh, this earth is without form, void, darkness. What is going on here? How is this going to happen now? Um, you know, God the Father, and now you know, speaking in, in the council of the Trinity, now speaking to the Son and the Holy Spirit. Well, what should we do now? Like he said in Genesis 1.26, when he said, let us create man in our own image, you could see God the Father here is not commenting on the situation. He's not complaining about the situation. He's not lamenting the situation because those three things I've just mentioned place into the hand of the devil. 
we spend a lot of time complaining. And you know, it's human nature is part of, because of the fall of man. You know, we complain about the situation, we lament about the situation, and we comment about the situation. We go to people that will run commentary on the situation. We pick the phone and speak to people that will talk about the situation for one hour, 30 minutes. But we don't do what is necessary about the situation. We don't do what is needful about the situation. But I'm here to tell somebody here today, where you have been complaining before, I rebuke that spirit in Jesus' mighty name. Whatever demonic spirit has brought about hopelessness to you, to let you know it will not happen, and you have not been complaining, lamenting, running commentaries on it, I rebuke the spirit in Jesus' name. The third lesson is that God did not complain. Fourth lesson um, is that God acted. God took an action. The Bible says in verse 3, and God said... God acted. And when we got to verse 31, as you saw, the Bible says everything became good. I say over somebody here today, it will end in glory for you. Wherever you are, whether you're online, you're here, it will end in glory for you. The Bible says God acted. I know I'm speaking to somebody. It will end in glory for you. It will end in glory for you. It will not end in shame for you. It will end in glory in the name of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you then the basis for creating and then experiencing this new beginning. So, like you know, like I said, I'm going to be speaking about this all throughout this month, by God's grace, the five Sundays of this month. But today I'm laying the basic foundation for us. All right? First thing you need to know that allows you and I to be able to say confidently that this thing will change in my favor. The reason why we're able to say that, number one, is this. You and I are created in the image and the likeness of God. I've just told you about God. Now, how he did not complain, he didn't, he didn't lament, he didn't comment, he didn't, you know, no. He was not depressed about the situation. He acted concerning the situation. You and I are also created in the same image of this same God. Listen, we have the life of God on the inside of us. Okay. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 27 tells us, God said, let us make man in our own image after our own likeness, in our own image, and let them function like us. Let them function like us. So we said God acted. Let them act the way we act. Let us make man in our own image. Let's put what is in us in man. Let that be the very image of man. Okay? Now, pay attention. Follow me. Follow me. What I'm actually about to say now is actually a series on its own. But I'm going to say it now, and over the months, I'll try and uh, unpack it as much as possible. God has given us dominion. Somebody say dominion. God has given us dominion. Now, this dominion, when you write the word dominion in your book, please write open bracket and write authority and responsibility. Close bracket. Please, please, please. Because I'm going somewhere with this. So when you write the word, God has given us dominion, open bracket, authority, and what? Responsibility, close bracket. You see, dominion is not just when people when we hear dominion, sometimes we just like this whole concept of dominion, rulership, sovereignty on the earth, and we just want to have dominion. Praise God, I have dominion. But we got to understand, dominion actually means you've been given authority to the degree to which you have decided to take responsibility. Let me say that again. Let me say that again. <laughs> Let me say that again. Let me say it slowly so you can understand. Dominion means 
you have been given authority to the degree to which you are willing to accept responsibility. So if you are willing to accept only 1% of responsibility in your life, only 1% of responsibility in your life, your dominion, authority that you would ever be able to access from God will be 1%. People today are in so much error in the extremes because of a, an erroneous teaching, which in theology, in theology, this is what we call it, what is called in theology. In theology, it is called hyper-Calvinism. Okay? So, just quickly, in theology, there are two basic schools in theology. There's Calvinism, okay, and there's another one. Calvinism believes basically in summary about the overall sovereignty of God. Okay? Animism believes in the overall responsibility of man. So you can see that it's almost like the extremes. But the one that is most dominant in the world is Calvinism. Calvinism. Calvinists are the ones. And Calvinism is because it, the person that started the theology that really made it very well known is a man called John Calvin. So they call that theology Calvinism. Are you still with me? Yes, they call it Calvinism. Now, there is the extreme of Calvinism is hyper-Calvinism, which is whereby people actually abdicate responsibility to God so that every single thing, minute or major, that happens in their life, they attribute it to God. If they don't have the shower for one month and they're smelling, it's the will of God. It's God. Because if God really wanted me to have my shower, he would have pushed me into the washroom. That's the stupidity of hyper-Calvinism. If, if they didn't eat for one month, they didn't drink water, and they died, though there's food in their house, it's God. Like, that's the will of God. It's God I wanted this out. Because if God really wanted me, God already knows. Because if God really wanted me to, to, to eat, he would have put the food, you know, cooked the food for me. I do have the ingredients. He would have made a sandwich for me. Let's just use sandwich because African food is difficult to describe. But sandwich, so I just allowed me to have my ham sandwich, put, spread the butter on the bread, slap ham in the middle of it, and just giving it to me. You know, this is hyper-Calvinism. There's no human being that will know how much you pray that God will have a shower for you. Listen to me. If somebody ever promises you that there's a realm where you, you will just wake up and you're already no shower, Please understand, that's demonic. That's not God. You have, there is a re, you have to take responsibility. It is this lack of, lack, this lack of accepting responsibility for our personal lives and for our families and for our communities that is making us lack authority mainly. So we can't really have dominion. Is anybody still in this house? Okay, so keep that in mind. Psalm 115 verse 3. Is what the hyper-Calvinists talk about the most. This is what they talk about. They say, well, God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. So anything that happens to me, it must be because, it's because God pleases it. That's not what the scripture is talking about here. God, this scripture, hyper-Calvinists take this scripture to mean they should abdicate responsibility. And to mean that God is haphazard. That God is not principle-based. God is in heaven. Do you agree? Do you agree God is in heaven? Yes. All right. Am I in house of praise, Mrs. Saga? Yes. Thank you, Lord. God is in heaven. Now, he does whatever he pleases. The sun rises in the east. 
and sets in the west. Correct? So why can't the sun rise in the north? Since he can do whatever he pleases. Why can't the sun rise in the, in the, in the north and set in the southwest? <laughs> because, if God, because God is just and love, loving. If God does that, the whole world will be destroyed. The sun, they tell us, is 94 miles from the earth and is perfectly positioned both in distance and in angle for us to have light and heat. Two critical things that every living being, not just human beings, every living thing needs on earth. The one can go say, I, I can do as I please. I want to move the sun. Sun, go 300 miles from the earth. Within the space of five to six hours, everything on earth will die from the dangerous cold. Even if it's just 95 miles away. That's how accurate God's creation is. So we got to understand it. He does as he pleases that he's talking about here. Okay, I, I will get into, it, into the depth of it as we go on the way. But let me show you verse 16 quickly, just so I can move on a bit. In verse 16, Psalm 115, verse 16, verse 16, it says, The heavens, even the heavens, belong to God. But the earth he has given to who now? To the children, you and me, to the children of men. You see, it's, un, it's unbelievable that the unbelievers that don't even have the life of Christ in them, but they have, because they created every man is created in the image of God, they didn't even have the life of Christ in them. So they have creation, but they don't have redemption. Are you with me? They have creation, but they don't have redemption. This idea, that's why they conquer mountains. That's why today we that we live in this part of the world, we call this strange mountain, highest peak on earth that is in Nepal. We call it Mount Everest. The people that live there don't call it Mount Everest. We call it Mount Everest because the first man to conquer the highest peak, his name is Everest. We call it Mount Everest. That's why when they see a large body of water, they say to themselves, how can we build a bridge from here to reach that other community there? When some other people see that same blood body of water, they go back home, carry a calabash, a big bowl, put fruits in there, put sacrifices in there, and goes, and goes to the river and kneel down and begin to worship it. And when the river roars, ah, they say it's acceptable as sacrifice. <laughs> don't get me wrong, don't worry, don't worry, I'm balanced. I know there are entities. You understand? I know. Don't get me wrong. I know there are entities, and that's why there's destiny and dominion prayer. I'll talk to you about that. One lady saw me, a pastor saw me lately, and asked me, uh, recently rather, and asked me and said, uh, Pastor, when is that um, prayer going to be? So I was thinking to myself, prayer? Which prayer? Because there's so many of them. He said, that prayer now? I said, which one? I didn't know she was talking about destiny and dominion prayer. So she said, that one where you, said you send bad people to their grief. <laughs> I said, what do you, I said well, what is wrong with you? What do you think I am? But I like, I like that description. I actually like it. It's good. Every tree my father has not planted, they will be uprooted. In your life, they will be uprooted. Thank you. I know the energy is on this side. In your life, they will be uprooted. Please, can you still work on the sound on the stage for me, please? In your life, they will be uprooted. Yeah. 
So the Bible says in Psalm 115 verse 16, it says to the children of men, he has given us this earth. So in other words, let's take responsibility for it. Let's take responsibility for it. Let's take responsibility for it. Then we will not be able to connect with the authority of God. Now, it goes further, however. This is by creation. He has given the earth to the children of men. But by redemption, he has made us gods. Small letter G. Please stay with me, stay with me. Psalm 82, verse 5 to 7. Psalm 82, verse 5 to 7. Thank you, Lord. You see, because for you and I to be able to create a new beginning, you have to believe this. I have the responsibility from God that this earth has been given to me. I must take responsibility for my personal life. I have to take responsibility for my personal life. I must take responsibility for my personal life. Okay? Then secondly, you have to believe. Look at it now. Psalm 82, verse 5 to 7. They do not know. They do not understand. They walk about in darkness. Listen carefully. All the foundations of the earth are unstable. Okay, keep going. I said, this is God speaking. This is God speaking now. I said, you are, come on. This is what God said. And all of you are the children of the most high God. Now, when did we become children of God? We are creation of God by birth, natural birth. We are the children of God by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. So for he came to his own, his own did not believe him. But as many as believed him, to them he gave the right to be called sons or children of God. Are you still with me, church? Yes. Come on, church, are you still with me? Yes. All right. So children of God are God, small letter G. Now, prepare, just wait there. Just wait there because some of you are going to struggle a little bit with this. And I will unfold and un unpack this a bit more. But at this point, so that it can be balanced teaching, God, God Almighty, okay? Incidentally, that's our theme for Destiny and Dominion during this month, the Almighty God. You see, God Almighty is self-sustaining, self-existent. Self-sustaining and self-existent. At this point, I just want to leave it at those two things. Self-existent and self-sustaining. You and I, and every other thing on earth that is created is not self-sustaining and self-existent. Very simple. The plant in your home, um, or plant, your grass and anything, if you don't do something about it, it cannot on its own. Just if it's not connected to the earth, it's not taking nutrients from the, from the soil, it cannot exist on its own. Do you agree with me? Come on, do you agree with me? Yeah. You and I, if we don't breathe, in and out, just for maybe five minutes or I don't know, you know, that's the end of it. That's just the end of it. You, you, we are not self-sustaining. We're not self-existent. We didn't create ourselves. We are the sheep of his pasture. We are not self-existent and self-sustaining, so we are not the almighty God. However, when we take accept responsibility from the one who is self-existent and self-sustaining, and we take authority his own authority in terms of having sovereignty in the areas he has given us the responsibility for will become God's day. Mm. Mm. Exodus 7 verse 1. I want you to pay attention to a phrase here. The Lord said to Moses. Now pay attention to what I want to show you here. The Lord said to Moses, see I have made you as God. Now, there's no full stop behind that word God. Now, look at what it says. This, word, this is the most important part of that verse. To Pharaoh. 
So our, for want of a, for want of a better description right now, our Godship is limited to our assignment. I've not made you a God and promoted you to come and be part of the Trinity. No. I've only made you a God unto Pharaoh. That's all. That's your assignment. Once you step out of that assignment, Moses, you are not a God. You are just ordinary Moses. Once you step out, that's why when Moses got to the, to the rock and the people were complaining, give us water, give us water. And the God said, why are you all stiff-necked people always complaining? Do you, 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 you want, you want uh, what, what, what should we, we do for you? He used the word we. God says, you're getting this thing wrong. You're not, you're not part of the Trinity. Start, come and join. Just come up. Come up here. So God told him, Moses, that's it. You won't see the promised land. He said, ah, ah. God said, you don't pray to me about it anymore. Go to Mount Nebo. Look at it. Give your authority to Joshua and come up here. I can't deal with you anymore. So we are not God in the sense that we are not self-existent. Neither are we self. Are you hearing me what I'm saying now? Self-sustaining. But we are God to our, in our assignment. In the area of assignment. In a specific territory that God lives for you and I. For example, everybody's assignment here is your family. Your family is already your assignment. You are a God in that area. Something is happening in your family that is contrary to the will of God. You can take charge. You should take charge. Amen, amen, amen. In your own life, you should take charge concerning issues in your life. So let's, let's, let's break this down then. So what are the spiritual forces that need to be applied to create this new beginning? Are you with me? There are three of them. I will unpack only one of them today. So there's power. Someone say power. power. Oh, say it like you, like you mean it. Power. Yeah, that's the first spiritual force that is required to create a new beginning. Power. Without it, it's not going to work. Jeremiah chapter 32, 32 verse 17. Jeremiah 32 verse 17. So you can't and I cannot afford to be powerless as a Christian. Because if you're powerless as a Christian, you become an object of ridicule. You become frustrated. You become frustrated. There's nothing else. You know, window shopping is very frustrating. I know some people say it's their hobby. I wonder what kind of hobby that is. It's very frustrating. How do you go wander, 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 wander around, wander around the whole place for one whole day and you come back with nothing? And you say you're fulfilled. I don't get it. I, do, I actually don't get it. I, but, I, but I know that we're different species. You know, there's male and there's female. And that's why I also don't get it. How God can make you my own gender? And you say you want to transition? I don't get it because the natural things that come with that other gender, you couldn't have. Even if you have chemicals in your body called hormones that they put there for you, you can't have it. They're just something. You can have, you can mimic the work. You can mimic everything, but there's just something on the inside of you that, that, just, that is just natural, that, is, that comes. This one is not wired in the body. Doctors can't see this one when they do a scan. It's put in your personality by God. Put in your personality by God. <laughs> Jeremiah 32, verse 17, Our Lord God, behold, you have created the heavens, you see that, made the heavens, created the heavens and the earth by your great power. Power is required. Power is required for creation. To create this new beginning, there has to be power. 
That's to be power. Number two, second necessary force. Don't worry, we're going to unpack that in this month. It's wisdom. Wisdom is necessary to create a new beginning. For some of us, the challenges we're going through. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 19. Let me give you the scripture first and foremost. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 19. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. The Lord by what? Wisdom founded the earth. And to see this combination of wisdom and uh, power, look at Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 12. Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 12. Look at what it says. He has made the earth by his power and established the world by his wisdom. Jeremiah 51, 15. Let's run quickly. Jeremiah 51, 15. Jeremiah 51 and verse 15. He has made the earth by his power. He has established the world by his wisdom. This is a very, very important concept and I will unpack it for you as we move on during this month. Listen carefully. There are some mountains you and I have to get to. By power, we have to move the mountain. In where I live, in the village where I live, which is a village on the outskirts of Hamilton or somewhere around Hamilton anyway, here in Ontario, okay, for those of you watching from other, other countries, a bit of a village. Now, in this village, there are some, it's a mountainous, it has mountainous region, of course, which automatically means you also have some lowlands and valleys. So this mountainous region, there's one of the roads there, okay, on the, called the Lincoln Alexander Highway. Mountains were cut to go through it. You can say mountains were moved to go through it. You will still see some of the cuttings of the mountains, how they cut the mountain to create a road there. That's incredible because, you see, there are some people that believe that there is always a way. So when they see a mountain, they don't offer sacrifices to the God inside the mountain. They actually cut, they, they, they bring engineering in and say, how can we do that? But there are also, also other mountains and natural obstacles like seas and rivers, whereby people, they don't cut the mountain, they dig under the mountain and create a road. It's called a tunnel. One of the most famous examples is the English, English tunnel, where you have the, you know, the Euro train between France and England, okay? It's incredible. They dug under the bed of the English channel, underwater, you know, and they created something that moves, that transport people from one location to another location. So what wisdom does, listen carefully, then, is that the mountain might remain and the enemy might be guarding the mountain, but on the other side, you're already on the other side. You're already on the other side with a powerful testimony. That's creation. That's creation. So that the dance they said you will not dance. The first time the enemy will know you already have your breakthrough is that they will start hearing the song, start hearing the keyboard, and you are dancing not in front, but at the back where the enemy is still guarding an empty tomb. The wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. The wisdom of God creates solutions. Some of us are facing immigration challenges. We're facing some challenges that we just think, how is this going to ever be? There's a wisdom solution. And somebody here is going to connect with that wisdom solution. I know that somebody here might be thinking, how shall this thing be? Is this thing really real? Is this all theoretical? I've lived my life this way. I've done this for 23 years and some change. I can tell you, this is very real. I've done this over and over and over and over again. In my personal life, I've seen it. This, church, this building you're in right now is as a result of the power and the wisdom of God that created it. 
No doubt about that. That you're here in this country, that's it. The fact that this whole church, the way we, the way we are, is the power and the wisdom of God that created this. So please understand, this is not theoretical. I'm not trying to postulate a theory. I'm not trying to use it as a guinea pig. I'm telling you what I know. I'm telling you what I practice. You understand? I'm telling you what I practice. The wisdom of God. The third key is persistence. God did not create the heavens and the earth in one day. And there's a reason for that. He didn't create everything in one day. It took him seven days. Genesis chapter 2 verse 1 to 2. Genesis chapter 2 verse 1 to 2 tells us. It took him seven days. Alright? He said on the seventh day God ended his work. It took him seven days. Somebody said seven days. Alright. So there has to be some element of persistence. This is the way Jesus put it. In the book of Luke chapter 11 verse 8. Luke 11 verse 8. Jesus I said to you. Though he will not rise and give him because he's his friend, yet because of his persistence. There is a level of creation, of getting things from the realm of the spirit into the natural that you will need persistence, you know. And that's what I want to major on today. I will leave the other two, power, wisdom, persistence. Now let me ask you a quick question. What are the forces that we apply to create a new beginning and to experience it? What are the forces? Number one, power. Number two, and number three, persistence. So let's try and unpack this persistence and I bring this service to a close. Listen carefully to me. This is one of the major secrets of anybody you see in life that has achieved anything, whether Christian or non-Christian. It's persistence. So much the persistence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, because of hyper-Calvinism, you don't have many Christians having the strength on the inside to be persistent in what they do. You see people, people tell me, Pastor, I just can't do it. I can't do this anymore. I so, said, so how long have you tried? So well, I, I, I applied for the job, man, Pastor. I'm tired. I applied five times. Five times, Pastor. I'm tired. I'm like, sorry, I didn't get that. You mean five times hundred or five? Where's persistence among people? Where's doggedness? Where's tenacity? Where is I will never quit? Where's persistence? You see, persistence is a key to obtaining grace from God to create and express a new beginning. Persistence is a key to obtaining grace from God to, cre to create and to experience a new beginning. Let me say it again. Persistence is a key to obtaining grace from God to create and to experience a new beginning. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 to 13. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 to 14, actually. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 to 14. Come on, let's do this quickly. Philippians 3, 12 to 14. Are you being blessed by this at all? Because the other church where I was preaching, they were really, really excited about this. About all the things I said. Even when I said good morning, they said, hey, man, praise God. And they give me another open invitation. Praise God. Not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, <laughs> but I press on. I press on that I've not gotten it. Paul said, I've not gotten it. I've not attained it. But one thing I want to assure everybody of is that I'm pressing on. And that they may lay hold of that for which Christ has also laid hold of me. In other words, he's basically saying that everything Christ died for, for me, that he got for me in redemption, my inheritance in him, I'm laying hold of it. I'm pressing on. Keep going, verse 13. He said, I forget. 
I don't count myself as apprehended. One thing I do, I forget those things which are behind. All the disappointments I've had in trying to press on, I forget it. I know I fasted for 30 days last year, and it looks like it's not happened. I forget that 30 days. I forget this. I forget that. I forget this. I forget that. I forget my successes right now. I just want to press on because one of the things about success is, and I keep on telling everybody around me all the time, success is very powerful. It's a good thing, but it can inoculate you so much so that you lose desire to pursue all the things that God has in mind for you. Some of us are, are success. Some of us are not even really successful in the sense of successful. Some of, some of us are just okay. But we already think we're successful because of social media. You have a car you've not fully paid for. Come on, let me, let me anger you a little bit. Let me get you upset a little bit. A car you've not, you're not really paid for it. You're not really paid for the car. You're driving it around the whole place. You're not really paid for it. You're just trusting God that no, nothing will happen to the car. You're not paid for it. It's not the insurance. It's not. It's not like you paid for the insurance. Yeah, it's every month. You're, you're trusting God. The mortgage is here and there. You're balancing checks to get the mortgage going. You're just in the prospecting how to do an investment property, and right now you you put your pockets where your pockets where nobody can talk to you anymore. You carry your you carry your phone like you're a busy man. Yes. <clears throat> Hello. Yeah. All right. Okay then. You're speaking in monotones. What is, what is, what is all of that? <laughs> you go on one holiday that you use points on your card to buy. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry. I don't really want to. I don't want to go. I don't want to get into it. You use avian points or something other points. You buy, you, buy, you buy this thing, you buy this holiday. You know. So you really, your, your own funds can only get it to the border of Canada. It's the points that now took you to this four-day holiday. Then you take photographs all over you know, Cancun. You take one of Cancun. I'm in Cancun. I'm in Cuba. See me enjoy myself in Cuba. Three days. Just three days. Yeah. It's all on social media. Points. Points that you have been saving, saving, saving all this one. <laughs> you know, and you already, and your friends are saying, "Wow, Cancun, you're really having that, man. You're already there, man. Comment, come and see comments." And you, you are deceived by these comments. <laughs> of well wishes. You have to be careful. Let me tell you this: one of the key secrets is this: the people around you, you have to be careful that they don't make you feel successful. Yeah, and the way they make you feel successful is that they begin to tell you about relatively about people that are not doing well. And you are the, you are the best in primary one. <laughs> and there's still a whole PhD postdoctorate that is still available for you. But you're the best in primary one. The people that were best in primary one that did not further their education, guess who they are right now? Illiterates. Illiterates. You are still, your feet is still just, you're playing with a pond at the back of your house when there's an ocean out there to explore. So you leave that behind. Oh, we have seen things, by the grace of God, we have seen things as a church. If we want to do relativity, um, we can talk about that. But I don't have that mentality at all. As I was, as we were driving to church today, you know, I had a young man sitting beside me in the car. He said, wow, lots of cars. I said, where are they? Because I don't, I, I thank God I see, I'm not denying the fact. I, I'm grateful to God for that. But this is nothing. We've not even rented any place to park cars. What is that? What is that? We don't even have a lock jam. We don't even have a traffic jam at this, at this in, uh, intersection here. What is that? 
<laughs> we don't even have that. We don't even, I've, not even, I've never announced in my life that please, if you came to church this Sunday, please don't come this Sunday so that we can have privilege for people to sit. I've not even announced that. And you, what, you, you are saying we're successful? When Jesus said, God said, many people shall come. So I thank God for these thousands of people that are here today. But you think this is many people that God is talking about? You think God doesn't know how to talk about many? If you want to know about God's definition of many, just read the book of Revelation and see the number of angels that are just around his throne, not the number of angels available. Just the ones around his throne that are just saying, holy, holy, Lord God Almighty. The Bible says there are thousands times thousands times thousands. Just, just those ones are just there around his throne. Not all the angels. What do you mean by many? Look at all the planets that are there. Look at the one we're living, just one small little one. You want to understand this God? It's incredible. So don't feel, don't start feeling successful. The first time in my life I had $5,000. I went to the bank. Ah, that day. Honestly, if I had met Elon Musk, I would have told him, why did you call me? I felt I was very successful. I went to the bank and they told me, excuse me, can we, you know how you sit there and they say, can we help you? I said, no, please, not today. God, don't know. Then I saw a place that says, they say, um, wealth management. I'll tell you a true life story. Many, 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 many years ago. So I said, I, said, I, want, to speak. I want to speak to somebody in the wealth management. So I got there. Before the man even said, I just pulled my chair, I sat down. He didn't even tell him to tell me. I sat down, I crossed my leg. I said, it's I said, so what do you do? He told me everything. I said, so, I've got, so he said, you got some funds to invest. I said, yeah. I said, yeah, yeah. So the guy was thinking that I'm, a, I'm an HNI, you know, high net worth individual. So I was speaking, the guy said, oh, all right, all right. So I spoke to the guy, and the guy said, like, like so you're going to be moving in from another bank or anything or any investment? I said, no, 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 I'm not moving in. I'm going to grant you a check here. <laughs> so the guy said, oh, well, I said, $5,000. See, the shock, the shock in the guy. But, you know, these people are so well trained not to abuse me. He, he, he just, he just, he, he, he just, you know, comported himself. But I could see that he was, he was really shocked. <laughs> so he told me, he said, um, um, he said, uh, it's glad, I'm glad that you've come here. It's good. You know, this bank has many things. And so he told me, and he said, we have different products and different things, and that the person that will be better able to serve me, he said, the person will reach out to me. They didn't even collect my money, can you imagine? <laughs> they sent me back out of the bank and said, basically, just go and go. So you're called to me that, ah, this is nothing, you know. You can't feel that way. Paul was telling Timothy, somebody here is here going through some hardship. You're going through some things. Things are not working really out for you as you think it should work out for you at this point in your life. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. Let's finish this up now. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. Paul told Timothy, are you being blessed by this somebody? He said, you'll be watchful in all things. Comma. Then he said, endure afflictions. Comma. Enjoy it. If you are going to fulfill, for, for Timothy specifically, it was his ministry, but for you and I, it's about destiny. If you are going to fulfill destiny, in other words, have a full expression for which Christ died for, you must learn how to endure. You must learn how to endure. There will be days when there might not be bread in your house. Days when there might not be food in your house. Days when you don't know where your rent is coming from. That does not cancel your destiny that you are going to be a major investor in this country. You are going to be a major player in this country. Thank you, Lord. You are going to be a major player in this country. 
you will be a major player in this country. In your field, you will be a major player. In your field, you will be a major player. In the name of Jesus Christ. You endure. That's what you do. You endure hardship. The, the, the very first lesson the children of Israel had to learn in the promised land was the lesson of persistence. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 13, God told them, the Bible tells us that, by faith, the children of Israel, they, 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 they walked around the wall of Jericho for seven days before it broke down. Seven days. Doing the same thing. Seven days. If God is going to answer this prayer, why did he answer the first day? They walked around seven days. They walked around seven days. On the seventh day, when their joints were paining them, their back was paining them. Some of them were carrying little babies. Some of them, their husband, their wives have just had children. And within that seven days, God told them on the seventh day, you will walk seven times. Ah, my back. Ah, my leg. Ah, God said, you have tried. You've done six times. On the seventh day, you will not do more than you've done for six days. Ah! They now did it. And they weren't seeing any crack in the wall to encourage them. Stop looking for physical signs. Just because you haven't gotten an interview yet, does not mean that some, something is not lining up. What you're looking for is not an interview. What you're looking for is gainful employment. That's the first lesson they learned. Listen carefully then. You see, the main reason for failure of the modern man is that the modern man, 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 woman, is soft on the inside. More beautiful than our ancestors, but softer on the inside than our ancestors. There's no endurance anymore. People can't take pain anymore. They can't. They can't endure anymore. AI, technology. As done the like you know, these phone calls we make we make now, you take a phone. Hello, how are you? Yeah. Do you know what it takes for you to make a phone call before? You just take a phone, now you send a text. In those days, it'll be telegram. You have to actually go to a station to send the telegram. Today now, so all of these things that is at our tips now, it's made us soft. We're so soft. Every little thing, we're touchy feely people. So, oh, I, I can't do this. Somebody, you know, somebody at 9 a.m. the one says, I've not taken breakfast today. Oh, he said, what about you? What are, let's go eat. He said, I'm starving. Uh, you know, have you know how people say I'm starving? Yeah, that's what I say. At 12 noon, when it's break time, someone say, oh, guys, what are you still doing? Let's go eat. Let's go out lunch. I'm starving, man. Starving? At 9 a.m. in the morning? We're so soft. You know, I see people sometimes, they stand, at the, they stand at the bus stop. In this country, they stand at the bus stop. And the bus comes, the bus stops there. Just there. Three feet away from them. And they're, they're looking, the driver is looking at them. And they're looking at the driver. Move, move. The, they have to move so that the door can line up exactly where they are because they don't want to do any work. They just want to put out their feet. Even, even they put out their feet, there's actually a button you can even press that will even elevate you. Hey, uh, the bus is coming three feet to you. Whereas now, when I was growing up, the bus is on the other side of the road. <laughs> the bus is on the other side of the road. It's not, even, it's not even facing the right direction. So you listen for the call. When the calls are prompting, prompting. You run! You're not, you're not just running to meet the bus, you're running to outrun other people that are running. And the bus is moving on. Then you, you elevate yourself by the power of the Spirit. Then you jump on the bus and you hold on to Jesus in the bus. Hallelujah. 
you can laugh at those things, but they made us strong. They made us strong. They made us strong. Today, people don't have persistence. They don't have anything. No energy on the inside. Somebody writes an exam. You didn't do well. A professional exam. You went to school. You studied. You had this professional degree. Four years in school. I don't know whatever number of years. You finish. You come out. You're not doing a professional exam. You fail it once, twice. You, you give up. What about all the years you've spent in school? When your parents were taking you to nursery school? Um, preschool. They call it here. Preschool. Preschool. JK. SK. From that time all the way. All the money they paid on you. You now hit one barrier and you sit down. You say, I can't write the exam anymore. What kind of nonsense is that? Today, I decree, may that yoke of lack of persistence be destroyed in your life. <laughs> You're trying to do something that's not worked out and you, you, you survive. Do you know how many, ah, please help me. Do you know how many obstacles we faced when we were going to go into this building? Ha, Shaka Yamakuzalia. There are people here that will tell you the number of obstacles we faced to come into this building. I was just determined. I was just determined. For me, failure is not an excuse. My father did not train me. In, in my own house, you can't come back home and come and say, I feel it. If I, you can't come back. It's better. Just go. Don't come back. Let me know. My father has six children. Just let me know that I have five left. You know? Don't come back home. Are you come, when I was in school, you come back and say you, you failed? Failed? How? You can't. If you fail, make sure you before you come back. <laughs> tell, me, tell me you feel. How? <laughs> That's when I was living in London and they, they, I, I, didn't, I didn't get the residency or whatever to live in London at that time. I told Topsy, Topsy said, well, you know, options were, you know, no, Topsy said, well, options are concerned, maybe go back to Nigeria. I tell her, no. No, because she, I told her, I said, your father is going to welcome me with a kiss. Topsy. T-tops, that's what the father called. I said, but for me, my father, my father hello, who is there? I said, well, my father just blanked the door and said, get out of this house. Go back where? I told her, I said, I would rather go to Jamaica. I'll go to Kingston. I'll go and be a rap star. She know better. Do you love seeing me with a boombox? Hallelujah. <laughs> Listen, let's look at the lesson of a past hero. You've had this several times, but it's inspiring for me. He was born in 1809. He failed in business in 1831. He lost an election for state legislature in 1832. The application for law school was rejected in that same year, 1832. He engaged, was engaged to a lady called Anne Rutledge in 1835. She died soon after the engagement. He had a nervous breakdown in 1836 and spent six months in bed. He lost an election for speaker of the state legislature in 1838. He lost another election in 1840 and another in 1843. He finally ran for Congress, national elections now, in 1846 and won, only to lose for re-election two years later. He lost election for the US Senate in 1854. In 1856, he sought the vice presidential nomination of his party and got less than 100 votes. A very embarrassing defeat. Finally, in 1860, after years of persistence, Abraham Lincoln was elected the president of the United States of America. 
When you read the story before you get to the last part, this is a, this is a classic story of somebody you will call a failure. But he kept at it. Somebody said, keep at it. Touch somebody around you and tell them, keep at it. Oh, tell them, tell them, tell them, keep at it. Keep at it. Don't quit. Don't quit. Why is it that people give up so soon? They give up so soon because they feel public embarrassment of the questions people are asking them. How are you now, my sister? How is it now? How is it, my brother? Anything else? Any news yet? And this public embarrassment, they just say, oh, no, 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 I'm not into that again. I'm doing something else. They, they give up so soon. Number two, they think the cycle of frustration will never come to an end. So what's the point? What's the point? Imagine if Abraham Lincoln had said the same thing. What's the point if this thing will never come to an end? Number three, they don't have a clear picture in their mind before they start the journey. Hebrews 12 verse 2 says, For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. I saw this building. I saw this before we started out. So when we face all, <laughs> when we face all the challenges, we face serious challenges on the 19th of December 2018. The Bank of Montreal told us, they came, they've come, they've seen us. They told us, I've told you the story several times. They told us everything is fine. They wrote us a letter, construction law, perfect. Everything is done. We shook hands. They give us a letter. I still have the letter. <laughs> and a couple of months later, release the money. Release the money. Release the money. It became a different story entirely. I don't know, maybe they had a change of management somewhere along the line. That was just the end of the story. The thing died down. Somebody else will say, ah, if God really wanted it, then it would have been so. No! You fight! There has to be another way. Somebody say, there's another way. Oh, say it again, there's another way. <laughs> if I didn't tell you this story right now, you just come in there, you would think everything just worked by just pressing a button. That what happened was that, you know, pastor and everything, church was like that, and everything. People, everybody just came here, and everything worked like that. No! That's not how it works. You will face the disappointments, you will face all of that, but you are persistent as you keep going. For the joy that is set before you. What happens then when you're not persistent is that the enemy is hardened against you because he knows that you have a soft belly. He's hardened against you. He knows you can't do it. How many plagues did Moses have to do in Egypt? Walk, I should say, in Egypt before Pharaoh would even agree. Ten plagues. The enemy, because he hardens his heart. Exodus 8.15. Then, of course, confusion sets in. So my challenge to you today, quickly, don't give up. The battle is about to be decided in your favor. Yeah. Don't give up. The battle, this whole thing is just about to be decided in your favor. Yeah. Don't give up. It's about to be decided in your favor. Yeah. Don't give up. Touch three people around you and tell them, don't give up, don't give up, don't give up, don't give up. Don't give up. Exodus 8.26, let me show you this script. I'll show you two verses of scripture, then I will wrap up now with some announcements, and then we're going to take it up. Have you been blessed by this? Yeah. Exodus. Sorry, it's not Exodus. Joshua 8.26, pardon me. Joshua 8.26. Joshua 8.26. Joshua did not draw back his hand. So Joshua had the spear in his hand. God told him, stretch out this hand towards the city of Ai. A-I. I. Okay, not artificial intelligence. It's actually the name of the city. A-I. All right? Now, listen. So I. So he stretched out his hand with which he stretched out the spear. 
until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. Pay attention to this now. This is just a simple law of physics. When you stretch out your hand like this, because of the length of your hand and the weight of your bones and everything, their tissues and everything, and this is where the fulcrum is in physics, you, after a while, it will pain in you. You have to put your hands down. Am I correct about this? Now, when you add a spear to it, you understand, and the fulcrum is still here, imagine the pain. But Joshua did not bring it down. Though he was feeling the pain, he kept on stretching it out until the inhabitants were destroyed. If you are stretched out and say, ah, yes, there must be another way, and put it under, the battle will have been against him. Let's look at another one quickly. Another one. Joshua chapter 4, verse 10, 11, and 12. Joshua chapter 4, verse 10, 11, and 12. And I'm going to give you some announcements now. We'll wrap up. The priest who bought the ark. So this is when the river Jordan opened up. So God told the priest to go carry the ark of covenant. So God told them, carry the ark of covenant. So the priest that carried that ark of covenant, okay, the Bible says they stood in the midst of Jordan. When did they leave this mid, mid, midst of, middle of Jordan? Until everybody had crossed over. Thank you. They stood in the midst of Jordan. They stood in the midst. So the priest went ahead of every other person. When the priest put their feet in the waters, it parted. So the priest moved and moved and moved and got to the middle of the river Jordan and stood there. These people we're talking about, there were millions of people, until the millions of people passed over. Verse 11, until everyone, it came to pass, all the people completely crossed over. This is a key part. Many people are not standing with the ark. This is in the place of prayer until the whole issue is solved. They dip their feet in the river Jordan, they have a little bit of an opening, and they take it back. Hallelujah, hallelujah. They're still dancing on the wrong side of Jordan. So, when we begin to do destiny and dominion prayer, someone says, Well, I did it last month. In fact, the other month, I did one and a half. This one, last month, but I, was, I gave it my full last month. But I've not, I've not seen anything. You put, you stand in the middle of the river Jordan until everything is solved. You know, I did last month, I have an interview now. I did actually about four interviews. You have dim probability that at least one of the four will come through. You don't know that there are forces weak. You know, God asked Satan. God asked Satan. He said, where have you come from? He said, I've been going to and fro. As soon as he never rests. He does not eat food. He doesn't need air to breathe. He's restless. He's going about looking for whom he may devour. If he looks at you today or Monday and he can't devour you, he goes. He's Remember he says to and fro. He goes. He reaches the end. He has to come back again because he's to and fro. He comes back again and he finds you. Ah, you're not in a place where you can be devoured. Then he's going to come for you because he's looking for whom to devour. So when you, when you stand there, January, you're there. March, you're there. July, again, you're there. You're telling him, August, I will still be here. He loses hope. Yes. You're not going to change your position in the place of prayer. I have vowed to every devil. I'm not changing my position. Listen, this destiny and dominion prayer, you haven't seen anything yet, too. Because we're not, we're not even starting. We're just warming up. Yes. One person, one, one, one young girl said, Pastor, you know, when you say you're warming up, you scare me. 
I said, <laughs> he said, when we were praying, I like, we've praying for one of 30 minutes. I said, wake up, we're just warming up. He said, ah, Pastor, I just get scared. That, how long is this going to take? Let me tell you how long it's going to take. How long it's going to take is until Jesus comes. Yeah. He said, until the perfect day. Uh, we go from glory to glory. Our path shines better and brighter. Until when? Uh-huh. So this was what we're doing. It's just warm up. So we're doing it this month on Wednesday. Join us. There's 7 a.m. worship. There's 12 noon. And there's 12 midnight. Are you still in the house? It's titled The Almighty God. We're here. We're going to do it. I, I don't boast. I'm saying this because of the strength of God. Three, two years ago, in the month of March, 2021, in the month of March, one night, the enemy brought dangerous battle to my family overnight. They, they brought the battle to our house. It was brutal. I could not sleep. I could not sleep. I did not sleep that one night. It was 7 a.m. in the morning when Topsy was telling me, Topsy said, tell me, he said, you know, try your best, even if it's just 30 minutes, to just close your eyes. But it was a Sunday morning. I still had to come to church to preach. I closed my eyes for like 20 minutes, then I opened my eyes. Patu. When I opened my eyes, I needed to go to the washroom, of course, to wash up and everything. So when I went to the washroom to wash up, Topsy came in. Just in case you're wondering, Topsy is my wife, if you're coming to church for the first time. Okay. Because I said she went to the washroom with me, all right? So she's my wife, all right? Just to clarify, you got to clarify these things. So she came into the washroom, she saw me, she just put her hand on my shoulder and said to me, she said, are you sure you're going to do this? You're up to this this morning. <laughs> she was surprised at my answer. I put my hand up. I said, if it's going to be the last thing I will do, I will do it. I came to church that morning, 9 a.m. As of that time, I was still the one that would lead it. 9 a.m., ministers permitting, pastors permitting, I led it. I did the service, I did Ignite Church, and I went back home. <laughs> you know, I, when, I, when I got back home, that day, check it out, it was Topsy's birthday. When I got back home, I said to Topsy, I said, I passed the major exam today. People don't have, they don't have strength on the inside. Every little thing they say, they say, uh, you know, I have a ball, just the ball is on top of my nose here. The ball on top of your nose, what does that do? That's not done anything. Ball on top of your nose. It's just I don't understand people anymore. You just have hair that's just overgrown into one. You say, I, I can't, I can't, I can't. <laughs> what do you mean you can't? It's a pastor. I, I, I just I couldn't find my I couldn't find my shaving blade this morning. I, I, I can't take your hand, pull the hair off, and do what you have to do. What are you talking about? You're talking about destiny. What are you talking about? I can't. I can't. I can't. Destiny and Domino on Wednesday. Are you gonna be there with me? Yeah. We're in it. We're in it. God can never entrust you with authority if he knows you'll not be persistent. He's looking for a fighter. <laughs> then, let me say this to you. Let me announce this to you. Listen carefully. The last weekend of this month, uh, I think it's 27, 28, 29, something like that. We are, yes, 27, 28, 29. We are having a retreat for singles. Singles. Listen, I'm wrapping, I'm wrapping up now. Singles, in the definition of singles for this particular program, basically means anybody that has not yet said I do. And I want to. 
I want to stand in the gap. That's single. So don't say, I'm kind of like engaged. You are single. Biblically. Do you hear me now? When Topsy and I were engaged to get married, you know, today I thank God for you guys, you know, because you spend all your time thinking, and there's nothing wrong in it, about pre-wedding photographs, pre-wedding photo shoots, pre-wedding this, pre-wedding that. That's all you spend all your time doing. We spent time thinking about that too. But most of we first fasted seven days. Because I told her, I said, I have a lot of astronauts in my family. She said she also has. So I said, very good. Seven days fasting and praying to clear out the way of the astronauts. Because both of us can get there on that day and start fighting each other. Because the astronauts had made up their mind it would never happen. So, and to, to rearrange to our, our future. Now we're married now by God's grace. It's going to be 27 years on December 20th. And it's getting better and better. Listen, I say this, I'm not boasting, I say this to the glory of the Lord God. We have never had one day in this almost 27 years where we look at each other and say, it was a mistake you married me. It's a mistake you married me. We don't, because that seven days have taken care of it. We don't have to go. We have never stood again and be praying for our marriage. We've started that part out. So you are single here, which means you might be engaged. Make sure you find yourself there. You are single, as a single, you find, you say, oh, but I prayed. Find yourself in that place. You want to stand in the gap for somebody that's dear to you that is single? Find yourself in that place. Of course, you know the space is limited. It's highly subsidized by your church. Get on the app and do it. Okay? Then we have a retreat for women. Somebody say, how many retreats are you going to have? Many. As many as possible. Because we are going to stand on the neck of the devil. You know? We have a, a, a people today that have been raised that are ashamed of prayer. To pray publicly, people can pray. You go to churches, they can't pray in the churches. Every other thing is acceptable in the church except prayer. Then how are we going to connect with God? Not in this church. Yes, sir. As long as God gives me the grace to pastor this church, not in this church. We're people of finesse, we're people of excellence, we're people of all of that, but at the same time, we're people of prayer. Yes. It's our prayer that gives us assurance that the devil likes it, he doesn't like it, there's nothing he can do about it. Yes. So we're having the women's retreat, it's in the end of, end of August, we have, a, you know, that's opened up also. A lady in the house, you just want to intercede, you know, for many things that concerns you as a lady, particularly. Be part of that, all right? So we're going to press in. We're going to press in. So what is the pressing? Press. We're pressing. Your future is too important to leave it to variableness of circumstances. It's too, it's too important. You can't leave it. You have to understand. One of the things Satan first does to many people is that he weakens them on the inside out so that on the inside out, once they're weakened, you become your own worst enemy. You don't even have energy. Some of us wake up early in the morning, we're draggy, we're lethargic, and all of that. No, no. We spend our time chasing, chasing shadows around the whole place. You know? No. We've got, we got to rebuild what is most important and be persistent in the pursuit of our dreams. Stand on your feet like a champion. <laughs> Lift those hands as I pray for you. Today, in the name of Jesus Christ, every weakness that is systemic, every weakness that is in you that is not allowing you to have the fortitude tenacity to stay with it i rebuke it in jesus name every attack of the enemy to weaken you hebrews chapter 12 verse 12 says strengthen the hands that have come down and the feeble knees in the name of jesus christ today 
the attack of the enemy on your hands, your actions, you taking action, and on your feeble knees, on your knees to make it feeble so that you don't stand in the place of prayer. Today, I rebuke it in Jesus' name. Every weakness leading to inconsistency in the place of prayer, I rebuke it in Jesus' name. Every attack of the enemy bringing demotivation to you. Ah, bringing demotivation to you over and over again. I rebuke it in Jesus' mighty name. Every demon spirit sapping your strength, sapping your energy, sapping your motivation. Today I command them to be rendered powerless in Jesus' name. So I pray for you today because grace can be transferred. The grace of God at work in my life that are giving me grace to be to have tenacity. And I share that testimony with you of just one of them. Tenacity. That day my family prayed all night. All night on that day. It was a dark day. We prayed all night. I did not sleep. Topsy forgot the fact that it was a bad day. Did not sleep. Tenacity. Staying there. Receive that grace now in Jesus' name. Receive the grace now in Jesus' name. Receive the grace now in Jesus' name. 19th of December 2018, I shared with you how BMO suddenly they approved the construction law, but then they did not release the money. Over and over, they did not release the money. Well, finish the construction. The guy that was uh, that, that was. That was their contact with us that was working for BMO, the account manager, whatever the guy is. He came to tell me, he said, he knows this was a mistake on their part. They didn't release money, but it's the building not here, and he's here now and he's dead free. I speak to you today in the name of Jesus Christ. Grace, not to, not to internalize discouragement written on paper. Grace, not to internalize any discouragement you get in, on the, in a letter. Receive that grace now in Jesus' name. Receive that grace now in Jesus' name. Receive that grace now in Jesus' name. The embarrassment that comes from people persistently asking you the same questions without you having an answer you are willing to give them. That you, you, you keep on provoke, provoking embarrassment in you. Today, grace to shut your ears to what people are saying so you can press on into God. Receive that grace now. Receive that grace now. Receive that grace now. Receive that grace now. In the name of Jesus. Look at me for one minute, please. Please, everybody look at me for one minute. I'm saying you look at me because I want to pray for you as a representative of Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. I want you to look at me because I want to say to you, and for those watching online also, as a representative of Christ, what I'm about to declare over you, I know it, it is true. And I know it's going to work in your life also. God sent me here, and I'm letting you know this. Please listen to me very carefully. Whatever you're facing today, it will not end in shame. No matter what happens, you look at me, it will not end in shame for you. No matter what, it will not end in shame for you. Now, no matter how bad it might be today, no matter how degenerated it might be, I'm speaking on the authority of Christ that sent me, it will not end in shame for you. Even if you are already hearing and the enemy is rejoicing, they did 
in Judges chapter 16 concerning Samson. They were already rejoicing, singing, brought in the best choir, and they were singing in the house of Dagon. But they were dead a few minutes later. I speak over you today. For you, it will not end in shame. It will not end in shame. It will end in glory. 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 Please stay in the game. Stay in the game. Don't quit. Stay in the game. Stay in the game. Stay in the game. Don't quit. Stay in the game. You're angry. You're frustrated. It looks like it will never change. That's the love of the devil. That's the love of the devil. This building looks like it will never change. I'll come here. I will see things. Wires hanging all over the place. Different things. And people will keep asking me, Pastor, when are we moving to the building? It, and I'll come back here. It's the exact same thing I left it two weeks ago. It looks like it will never change. But Satan is a liar. I pray for you. It will change in your favor. This very building you are in today is a witness to the fact that God is alive. I pray over you today. The God that changed the situation around and turned ashes and chaos into beauty. I pray for you today. It will turn your ashes into beauty. The breakthrough. Listen carefully. That will put the devil to permanent shape in your life that will silence mockers that people that have been speaking against your destiny some people don't even know what you are going through and you're going through all these challenges and they want to come and add to your body the breakthrough that will silence them that will give you the initiative people you have been you know avoiding now the breakthrough that will make you take the initiative to actually call them. In the name of Jesus Christ, receive grace for it in Jesus' name. Receive grace for it in Jesus' name. Receive grace for it in Jesus' name. Now I want to say one last prayer uh, over you for now. It's the prayer about your prayer life. It's prayer about your prayer life. Nothing is as powerful when you stand, I thank God for my wife. I thank God for my children. They stood when you are able to stand. Let me say this to all of us, just as, a, as an aside. You have teenagers, you have all of them. They're telling you, Mom, I'm not going to have to it. I'm not going to fast. Tell them, sit at home. You are going to join me with the fast. Even if it's not going to be up to 6 p.m., get them to start, even if it's 3 p.m., even if it's 1 p.m., 2 p.m., tell them to do it. We have teenagers also. They fast 24 hours. Where, where, I mean, where are you going to go and eat? I tell the one of the things, I say, if you're in school now, you tell me I'm doing it, I'm doing it. But you won't do it. I mean, you might not do it. You might be eating somewhere. I say, Dad, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. But here, we are talking together. If you, want to, if you want to walk slowly so you can intimidate me and walk like, you know, I've, go ahead. I've learned this thing. It doesn't kill people. It's only 24 hours. Here, no food. No food. You do it. And you know, it brings breakthrough. It brings breakthrough. Get them to do it. And you yourself, you're a man. You're a woman. What is there? You're not going to die. If you can't do 24 hours, that's fine. Keep it to 6 p.m. Then break. After 6. Even if you have to break on 6 on the dot, it's okay. If it's your first time of doing this thing. But don't, don't, don't give away your destiny to food. 
Let me pray for your prayer life. All this, I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like praying. I'm tired. I don't feel like praying. In the last one week, I've taken steps. Steps, as in, you know, this iPhone thing that counts your steps and calculates your kilometers that you walk. One, almost 40 kilometers of walking. Kayakabosh in Klabatasha. This one week alone. What, 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 what are you talking about? And I'm 54 this year. My back, my leg. You sit down. You're still sitting in the place of prayer. Sir, this time with nothing. It will kill me. It will kill you. Strength. Do you need grace for prayer? Do you need grace for prayer? Speak to me, Mr. Bostai. Do you need grace for prayer? Prayer. Lift those hands up. Father, the spirit of grace and supplication to take us to another level. Let it be released on your children now in Jesus' name. Weakness in the place of prayer, prayerlessness, inconsistency, lack of power in the place of prayer. Today, I rebuke from your life in Jesus' name. Receive new strength in prayer, new strength in prayer, new energy in prayer, new strength in prayer, new help in prayer. Spirit of grace and supplication, fall on your people in Jesus' name. Fall on your people in Jesus' name. Fall on your people in Jesus' name. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Blessed be your name, O God. I said, Blessed be your name, O God. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. This is the end of the message. We are sure that you have been blessed. For more information, please visit our website at www.houseofpraise.ca. God bless you.